Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Uh, well, today we're going to be all over the, the scriptures. So those of you who haven't been able to follow us online for a while or to be able to keep up with uh, what we're, how we're processing, uh, want to just uh, sum some things up. What we've been looking at over the last couple of months is what it looks like to walk in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to truly live in the power and to live in the life of the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to process in the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit, to understand in the Spirit, and what it looks like to be able to give away the Spirit through us. And I think a lot of times, just as we sung, it is the cheapest trick in the book, and that is to believe uh, the identity that we see in the mirror. And what we, I I believe the Spirit was given to us explicitly so that we did not have to believe the lie of our past or the lie in the mirror. That we truly can find ourselves in the identity of Christ. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And I think it's easy for us to do like most of the world does and that is to say yes to Jesus and just accept Him on top of all the other things of our life. But that's not the way the gospel of Jesus Christ works. The way that really truly works is that we have become something completely different. And if we're not careful when we look in the mirror of our past or we look in the mirror of the bathroom, we believe what we see instead of seeing the the righteousness of Jesus Christ and believing the precious promises that his word uh, gives us to believe by faith. And so today I'm going to deal with something that's a little bit, it's very polarizing and uh, I want you to hear my heart and we're certainly not going to solve the issue, uh, but I do want to address a significant issue today, at least to bring some perspective to it. And the issue that I'm going to refer to is conflict and dealing with conflict in our lives. It seems that we are moving to a land of extremes. Uh, Everyone is so sensitive Uh, based on the personalities and based on their passions and uh, driven to two extremes, hyper-combative, and I know that you you may think of a particular face when I say that in your own life or or the news or or media or anybody like that are just uh, uh, hyper-combative. We would even say some people are just looking at what they can be offended over. And then there's also the hyper-passive people that are typically kind of cower down because of the hyper uh, uh, sensitive or hyper combative people. Uh, Being offended, but by the way, both of those are super offended. Uh, One of them is willing to engage conflict about it, and one of them is so offended that they walk away from the conflict not to make it even worse. Being offended, though, seems to be the easy answer, but I will say this. Being offended will never solve the problems. Uh, It will never, ever solve the problems. Rather than being quick to an opinion, we should be quick to understand. And I know we get tired of hearing that, and I'm not using cheap words. Uh, I want you to hear me all the way through, and we're going to to talk about some DNA, some things in in our church as well. But we should be quick to try to understand our differences. The goal of conflict isn't to get everyone to your side. The goal of conflict is to be able to understand where another person is coming from. The goal of conflict is to be able to understand, not to be understood. And I think that we, even if you're right, doesn't matter. Being right in conflict isn't the point, right? So we have to understand these things as presuppositions. Opinions are easy and they focus on ourselves, on our built-in systems. I want you to think about the people that we tend to move toward. They're people who already agree with us. Perhaps our friends or family or maybe, maybe you are like some and your family is actually who you have the most conflict with. Those who already uh, agree or disagree with us. Understanding causes us to focus on other people's backgrounds, other people's viewpoints, other people's uh, pasts and their perspective. I want you to notice that one of those is internal. So when I am 
you know, I'm, I'm offended and I act out about it or I enter into conflict because of my own opinion, well, that's internal. The other one is the ability to understand is more external. What brings you to that conclusion would be the question. So when we focus on, our, uh, on others, we hear, we process, we gain insight, and it creates conflict within us. You see, then our, our paradigm, our pr- uh, perspective is then shifted, and we have to make decisions of, am I right? Is what I've always been taught correct, or am I just holding on to straw men and making assumptions? So we don't want the conflict within us. And so sometimes we just back away from the conflict altogether and just hope that it'll go away. Or maybe, like some, and by the way, this is just a Christian thing. I mean, an unbeliever thing. Christians, I know a lot of Christians who deal with this. Either backing away from biblical issues and not wanting to take a voice at all, or being so hyper-combative trying to win the world by winning an argument. Neither one of those is going to be helpful. Or some people live in conflict internally. Uh, Just because you listen to people that you disagree with doesn't mean that they're right. And I think that's where we have to understand. It means that you're growing. That your understanding and the ability to win them to your perspective is revealing to them under truth. What I'm trying to say by that is this. Is when when you are willing to listen to someone and understand their background... You can, you can be the wise one in the group and hear some things so that you can know how to drive that through the spirit that you now have so that you might be able to formulate processes to reveal holes in their assumptions or their thinking and through a relationship or through trust to be able to drive them to the gospel. If, after all, you are right. Most people may not be right and so we would rather hang out with people who agree with us all the time and then we don't have to be right. We're already accepted we never have to prove our cases but listening and desiring to understand it it builds relationships and relationship builds friends and I in my, in my life I can tell you that I can have a whole lot more influence when I disagree with someone if I start from a place of friendship and relationship and love than if I just start with a place of I'm right you're wrong let's choose where we divide each other And I think conflict is so important. So the title of this message, I'm not really big into titles or points, but the title of the message would be the importance of conflict in our life. It plays a significant role, the importance of conflict. Conflict is very, very biblical. There's there's two things that I think we have to understand in regard to conflict. There is a a selfish perspective to conflict, and that is uh, uh, some people think that conflict, uh, that listening to people who you disagree with is weak, and it implies that I'm not sure about my own opinion, and I'm seeking an education because I might be willing to adjust. Uh, And we think that that is, we think that's, that's weak. And, and the other, probably with, with the selfish perspective, is all conflict is bad and it must be avoided. And, and so, you know, God gives us a spirit of peace, and we know peace is a, a byproduct of fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, if, if, you know, obviously if God has saved me, I would be walking in peace all of the time. And so to enter into conflict uh, would be to go against what God wants, and that's just not the way that works. But there's also a divine perspective, and that is that God uses many types of conflict in our lives to grow us into Christ-likeness. Sometimes, what I would even say most of the time, conflict is a very gift of God. Uh, And so in conflict, we are able to reveal who He is. In conflict, we understand more about who we are and how we're going to respond. And secondly, we understand more about who He is and what He can bring to the table. There are Christians who view all conflict as bad and they believe God has called us to peace and anything that disrupts that peace is from Satan and so it is to be avoided. But that's not what the scriptures have to say. We're going to get to the scriptures in just a second. There are two types of conflict. There are divine conflict and there is also personal conflict. I want to talk about both of those very quickly 
Divine conflict means there are consequences to bad choices or decisions that we make. We would call this the discipline of the Lord. So if you live outside of the bounds of what God has said is clearly right or wrong, you're going to experience some conflict in your life. Maybe you respond inappropriately or you step outside of what God has clearly said to do. You can expect there to be some conflict. If you don't like conflict, there's going to be some conflict you can't avoid but there is some conflict that is avoidable. So if you live righteously before the Lord, there's a whole lot of conflict and discipline that you can avoid in your life. The second part about divine conflict is that conflict that comes from making right decisions. I, th I think of Acts chapter 6 as a primary uh, passage for this. Not a primary passage, a good illustration. You have the, the disciples and these early church leaders who are, who are making right decisions. They're standing up in the street and they're preaching the very name of Jesus Christ. And at the end of that, to reward them for their faithfulness, they are beaten 39 times each and their backs are laid open. And you get to the very end of chapter 6. This is, I would say, internal and external conflict in their life that was brought about because of their willingness to do what was right. Right? This is difficult for us because who in here would say, 39 stripes, count me in? No, we would all say, no, 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 no. But look at their response to that. There was something that had been developing in them that prepared them for conflict that couldn't be avoided. And it says that they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to understand more about the suffering of Jesus Christ. What kind of person rejoices over this? Well, the kind of person that has had the right things produced in them by the Spirit that prepared them for that kind of conflict. All conflict isn't, isn't evil. All conflict isn't unnecessary. But then there's the personal kind of conflict. That is the conflict that comes from relational selfishness. There's not a person in this room that hasn't experienced relational conflict. Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your parenting, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe at work. We've all dealt with that. Sometimes it's because we have said or thought the wrong thing and we've done damage to someone who loved us or someone who cared about us or someone that was open to us. And we hurt people. Sometimes the opposite is true. There's very few people in here, I would say probably none, that has not been hurt by someone else and experienced conflict because someone else hurt you or betrayed you. And these sometimes are unavoidable. Now, there are certain things that if we're careful, we don't have to unnecessarily wound people and create conflict and destroy relationships. Nobody is asking us to just be that strong as to always be so opinionated that you always get your way and you drive out anyone who disagrees with you. But what I am saying is that sometimes we do that unnecessarily. Sometimes we do that by accident. So, but God prepares us for all of these. And, uh, and we just have to, to, to learn to live prepared by the Holy Spirit. And that comes day in and day out. Now, if I'm going to run a marathon, <laughs> sorry, I can't say that with a straight face. If I was going to run a marathon, I would say, okay, here's the date that I'm going to be prepared for and I'm going to start training right now. Marathons don't just happen upon us. But you know, if something were to happen and I were to have the need to run for a day, uh, if I'm not prepared for that ahead of time, I'm going to really struggle, right? So the thing about living in the Holy Spirit is to live filled in the Spirit so that when a marathon happens upon you, you can run. Well, that's the way it is with conflict. When we start experiencing conflict or relational conflict or even divine consequences of decisions we made, that's when we want to start getting serious, right? But so my advice or biblical counsel to us as a church is, is that if we, if we live filled in the Spirit, anytime that there's conflict, we are very quick to be able to use wisdom and discernment to know what to do with that particular situation and to drive it back to kingdom peace. Now, I want you to notice that. That's the point of conflict, is to reveal the righteousness of Jesus Christ in any moment, to be able to reveal His kingdom at any moment. So if you're engaging conflict and you get angry or you're constantly making other people angry, Here's the deal. You're entering into conflict for selfish reasons. Because every time you engage in conflict, if you get angry and other people get angry, that's not the kingdom. But it is okay for us to engage into conflict if the goal is the peace of the kingdom of God in this world. To be able to reveal that to folks who may be outside of that.
or people who are inside of it that are not living, identifying with it. Does this make sense? So I want you to see this, that the, 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 the preparation that God gives us is at the very moment that we say yes to Jesus, He gives us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We believe this. We don't practice it, but we believe it. That that very moment that we say yes to Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit engage in our life. And He is available to us. And what does He produce? He produces fruit in our life. He produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control. We have all of these things that work in us. Did you know that all nine of those that are listed right there are peacemaking? Every one of them. If we would employ those, they would bring the kingdom into the moment. I'm not sure that as Christians, we're all that concerned about the kingdom of God. We're more concerned about being right in our kingdom or the kingdom of this country. And it's time for the people of God to see their citizenship in another kingdom and not be wrapped up in this one. All of these are the perfect remedy to the source, all, any source of conflict and so at any moment, whether it's God, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your children, whether it's your boss, whether it's your employee, no matter what relationship it is, when there is conflict, you have the mechanism to bring the kingdom into that moment. In Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3, uh, I won't, I'm, not going to give, I'm not even going to give you the context, but I want to say here, this is one of the promises that the Lord gives beauty for ashes. Now, he's talking specifically about mourning there. He's talking about grieving and sorrow and repentance and, and all the terrible things that come with conflict, unresolved conflict. But what the Lord says to Israel is, is that instead of wearing ashes on your head, he will put a beautiful wreath of victory on your head. And let me tell you, the Lord, not your opinion, the Lord is the only person that can make beauty out of ashes instead of ashes. He's the only one. And the mechanism that he chooses to extend his kingdom in this world is people who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So we have to be super discerning and very wise. Let me tell you what I think is happening, and I know I, I speak more prophetically than I, than I intend to. I believe that we're very, very near to the end. I believe that. I'm not going to give you a date. But I think we are beginning, I've, I've never been more convinced in my life that we are beginning the last days. I believe that there's going to be a falling away of the church. I believe that the things that we read in the book of Daniel and the book of uh, Revelation and all the other uh, uh, apocalyptic writing, I believe we're beginning to watch that. You know, all my life I can read it and I can envision kind of what that's going to look like. But now it has names and faces and dates and it's kind of disheartening. And if, and if we're not careful, what we're going to be tempted to do is either try to maintain or just hold on. But like never before, this is the time for the church. The stage has been made. Listen, turn on your radio for one second. Turn it on for three hours. It's going to be rare that you hear good news about unity and harmony and the great things that's happening around this world. Right? Because we are so charged. Everybody against everybody. And I'm not even going to start the litany of the disharmony that our world is being exposed to right now. It is everywhere you turn, in every corner of the world, on every channel that we have, on everybody's page, that, in social media, everywhere. Listen, if one thing is true, everybody in this world right now is running to conflict or away from conflict, but you are not living in the absence of conflict. It's not possible right now to live in the absence of conflict. Like never before, the world needs peace. There's only one mechanism for peace, and that's Jesus Christ, right? Amen? There's only one people in the whole wide world that has it. And that's the people of God who are indwelt by the very resurrection power of Jesus Christ himself. It's the only mechanism. So if the church gets hung up on fighting the wrong fight or drawing the wrong line, guess what's at stake? 
eternity for the rest of the world. This isn't a time for us to hold on. This is a time for us to charge. I think one of the things that I learned from Isaiah is that all conflict, every source, the ones you deserve, the ones you don't deserve, the ones that happen upon you, the ones that you cause, every source of conflict is redeemable. It all can have a purpose. Sometimes conflict is necessary in order for the redemption to take place. There's been a lot of times in my life that I've gone through things that I would never choose for myself. Sometimes as consequences of my own actions that I would never choose for myself. But if it weren't for those moments of conflict, well, all of that to drive us to Acts chapter 13. And you're talking about our, I want us, Acts chapter 13, go ahead and turn there. But I want us to think about how much of our life is trying to run away from conflict, sticking our head in the sand, trying to avoid it. Maybe somebody else will solve it. Somebody else will fix it. Or we get into our little like-minded groups and just complain about everybody who don't agree with us. Well, so the church at Antioch has taught us a whole lot so far. They taught us about race. They've taught us about generosity, they've taught us about prayer, they've taught us about materialism, they've taught us about the, the uh, importance of the word in the life of the church. I mean, everything that we want and need to be, everything that God has called us to be, the church at Antioch has taught us the way. And, and they were in a similar situation where the world was charged and the church was just beginning to reappear from silence. And I feel like that's where we are. So the final thing that I think that Antioch is going to teach us for this series at least is how to deal with conflict. And it's not really that obvious, the conflict's not, but I just feel like I, I, I wanted to share some of these things uh, with us. But I want, you to, I want you to imagine, I'm not going to go back and read it here because we've read it so many times already, but this Antioch church, I mean, they are doing great. They are firing on all cylinders. They are founded by first century believers, and uh, they are taking the gospel to the Gentiles. They're serious about their faith. They're impacting their, their city in significant ways. The city is even calling these people like, I mean, they're, they're calling them after the name of Jesus. They're obviously doing some things right. In fact, they have the two best teachers in all of Christianity. Paul and Barnabas are living on site, teaching them day in and day out. And they've been living there with them for a year. These folks have all of the skills and all of the benefits. And if you'd think, man, this church... Right, They have everything that they need to be everything that God called them to be. And so they wanted to take it to the next level. And they began to pray, Lord, what's next for us? What would you have us to do? How do we make disciples more clearly and more evidently around the world? And here's what the Lord says. You know, your two sharpest tools, the two that has built everything that you see, the, the two that has taught your classes, the two that has prayed over you, the two that's mentored you, the two that got you where you are, I want them. Can you imagine when a church is built on Paul and Barnabas and then the Lord says, I want Paul and Barnabas? This was a result of them doing everything right. And now they have to start evaluating. What's it going to look like now? But I love what they do. What, do. what do they do? When they're dealing with probably as a church the most difficult moment of their life up till now. What do they do? They pray and they fast and they lay their hands on them and send them out. We don't need them. We've been preparing for this moment. Thank the Lord we've been preparing for this moment. All we need, we don't need Paul and Barnabas. We need the Holy Spirit. Churches can't be built on personalities. They can't be built on programs. They can't be built on charisma. They have to be built upon the Holy Spirit himself. That's where the power comes from. True purpose and development can come from dealing with chaos and conflict in daily living. I want us to walk through just a couple of verses today. 
The first one is in Philippians chapter 1, verse 30. I want to show you some things that most likely we've not seen before. And what we see rampant around us today isn't producing anything but godlessness. And, and I'll be honest with you, the church at large is doing nothing but adding on to the conflict. Uncontrolled anger, bitter fighting. Those, these are not the things that God desires. Those are the things that, that's how we respond in the flesh. That's not how Christians respond in the spirit. Selfishness sees, sees to that. Every time, again, I want you to remember this. If every time that you deal with conflict, you get angry, or you're looking about how do I feel about that? How's that going to make me look? What do I think about that? These are, this is all proof you're dealing with conflict with flesh, not with the Spirit. Because the Spirit would say, how can we take this moment of conflict and reveal more about the peace of the kingdom of God? How can I use my words carefully and reveal more of His kingdom? Well, so in chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 30, it says, For it has been granted, I love this word granted, so don't miss over it in English. I know that we think we know what that means, but that is very similar to a, uh, to, well, I'll just, I'll just tell you, I'm going to run out of time if I don't just get to it. It means that it's given with a pleasant grace, right? So that's what the word means. It means that it is given with pleasantness. God desires it. It is his pleasure to grant to us. So now let's go back and look what Paul says. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also what? Suffer for his sake. What? I mean, this is... This is not how we process. It has been granted to you with God's pleasant grace. It is a pleasant gift of God that you would suffer. But not just suffer, but suffer for His sake. Wouldn't it make sense that there would be conflict in the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God? Wouldn't that make sense that there's going to be conflict between these two? And that those that are engaged in the war between these two worlds would also be dealing with that same suffering and conflict? Look at this in verse 30. This is where, the, this is where I wanted to start. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Engaged in the same conflict. That conflict goes back to the suffering for the sake of Christ. This word is only used a few times in Scripture. Six times in all of Scripture. This word conflict. It's the word agon. And you may not care about that word. But I'm going to explain to you how it is used in a few other passages of Scripture. That you might be willing to overlook. So I want you to, I'm going to break this back down and paraphrase it. It is a pleasant grace gift from God for you to be affected by contests and conflicts in your life. Just like me and Jesus did. If I were to ask you what's one thing you don't want, you would say, I don't want conflict. And I want to turn that on its head and say, it is, to, it is God's pleasant gift to us. Because when we are going through difficulty, we're having to ask questions that we don't ask when we have it our way. When we live in the majority. When we live in our comfort levels. We are able to engage in, in different dialogues and issues and process things completely different. And I'm going to tell you, when you get comfortable in your faith, it becomes more and more difficult to hear from the Holy Spirit because we stop listening in our comfort. But we are uncomfortable. We might have the ability to hear some things from the Spirit that we wouldn't hear or consider. Many people like to think, Christians especially, how many times will we share our faith and say, hey, listen, if you want your best life now, you need to come to Jesus Christ 
Boy, listen, I remember when my life was miserable. You should become a Christian so that God can really start blessing your life. Well, I'm going to tell you, the, the Christian life especially is not a series of mountaintops. Mountaintops are the exception in the Christian life. Amen? Especially the closer that you get to the Lord. The closer you get, the harder it is. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. I know you know the verse already. You can turn there if you would like. But the verse is very familiar to us. We are urged to run with endurance. That's a negative word, right? I don't, of all the ways that I like to run, to the refrigerator is my favorite. But with endurance is my least favorite. Run with endurance the race set before us. Do you know that word race is the word agone? Contest, conflict. Do you see that? This shows that life itself is built upon a series of conflicts. Life in the Christ life isn't a series of mountaintop experiences. Life in Christ is a series of conflicts designed by God Himself, orchestrated and delivered to us as a grace from Him. It's how we grow. Because conflict isn't necessarily a negative thing. Conflict can have a godly outcome. Or it can create separation and division. Which if we're not careful, we will allow. Remember, we are the gatekeepers to that. We get to determine in this world. The keys of the kingdom have been given to us. We get to determine the outcomes. If you dig in for your rights and demand to be heard... And sticking up for your rights, I'm telling you, you will divide people. But if you seek to reveal and experience the kingdom, then you'll be able to see it. And then you'll be able to reveal it in a way to help others want that kingdom as well. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. If you don't have time to turn there, just write it down and go back and look. Paul told Timothy there that we are to fight the good what? To fight the good fight of faith. Guess where that word fight, guess where that word comes from? It's the word agon. To fight the good conflict of what? Faith. Faith is built on conflict. You show me a person who has their faith built on always getting their way or always being in the majority, I'll show you a pretty weak faith. But you show me the people that have had to fight tooth and nail in their life these are the folks that are world changers second timothy chapter 4 verse 7 paul said i have fought a what good fight it's a good agone. The contests, the conflict that I have entered into have been the right ones. And instead of demanding my Roman rights, I have made sure to reveal the kingdom of God everywhere I go. Instead of choosing to be right all the time, I've cho chosen to show the righteousness of God every time. That's what makes it good. That's what makes it holy. He said, I have finished my course. His course was a series of conflicts that built him up in his faith. Don't, don't despise living in this world right now. Don't wish for a different one. Look for the opportunities to engage. The conflict is so important because we can reveal the kingdom of God in conflict like we could never reveal the kingdom of God without it. The difference between God's people and the world's people have never been clearer. Except when it's not. Sometimes it's still hard to tell the difference. You can look at Facebook and see that. There is, I want you to write this down. I want you to remember this forever. There is no greater display of God's kingdom than watching how Christians handle it. 
Your words are a lot less powerful. Your ability to go through the Romans road and give your testimony is a lot less powerful than how the world watches how you deal with difficulty and conflict. In Amos chapter 4 verse 6, it says, I gave you cleanness of teeth. That's the Lord's way of saying they didn't have enough food to eat. I've given you famine in your cities and a lack of bread in your places but yet you did not return to me. And then the Lord goes through a series of conflicts that he orchestrated for them. Famine and drought and displacement and devastation and locusts and pestilences. And God brought all of them upon his people. Why? To cause them to return to him. But they wouldn't. Believers, I believe, should ask, where does this battle come from? Where does this contest come from? Where does this conflict come from? Who does it really belong to? Let me tear back the layers and instead of seeing it for face value and getting offended so quickly, let me take just a moment in the spirit and see if we can't peel this back a little bit and see what the real issue is. Let me understand you. Let me hear from you. Let me support you. Let me love you. And as I love and care and support of all of these different things, then I'll have the opportunity to say well here's what I think and here's how I feel and here's why in Revelation chapter 3 verses 15 through 19 I'm going to read all of that but Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea and conflict was the very heart of his message and he goes over all of the things that they should be doing but here's what he says those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent I want you to understand that the motivation for the conflict in their life was his love and his desire to reveal his kingdom to them. I've got a, on my deck, it's really hard to kill them. So I have sweet potato vines. Uh, they, they do pretty well, and I've had a lot of success with them. So I put them in hanging pots this year, and I put two under the deck right behind my house, and then I have another deck down here. And, uh, and I put four hanging pots down there with sweet potato vine. And the ones under the deck kind of get a little bit of shade, and I've got two little holes drilled in my uh, tin roof over that part. When it rains, it kind of just drips down into that. And... Uh, these flowers, I mean the sweet potato vine, have grew exponentially. I look down to these ones that are on the deck that are exposed to the sun all day long. They're growing, but man, they're not growing like I want them to. And so my wife and I were talking about it. I said, well, we're going to move, make the beautiful ones. We're going to put it down there, and it's kind of harder to see these little shriveled up ones. Uh, and, and we'll take two of those, put them up here, and we'll just alternate them throughout the season so that they can all kind of grow together. So I put the two long, beautiful ones down there, and I'm telling you, every day we water those things, and the two that were the biggest, by noon every day, they look like wilted lettuce. The other ones don't look like that. The ones that have been birthed in conflict and have gone through conflict ever since they were just little, they ain't growing very fast, but all day long they look healthy. The ones that grew without conflict wilt under pressure quickly. Do I have to explain that? Okay, good. You just saved us 25 minutes. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. My, my point in saying that is we can either wilt or we can withstand. In James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, and I want to get down to verse 21. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Did you know that your words actually will fire you up? Do you ever know that? That when you get hot-headed about something and you want to vent and you say, well, I just need somebody to vent to. Do you know you get more angry when you vent? It like stokes the fire. Listen, I don't see it in Scripture. All of you who out there who like to hit pillows and punch walls and, and vent to someone to feel better, I don't find that in Scripture anywhere. What I do see is be quick to hear, to understand. That's what the word means. Be quick to understand. you got two of them. Be slow to speak, and then you'll be slow to anger. 
Listen to this. This is the most important part of that for this context. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If you want to live in anger over whatever the contention is, you might be right, but you will never reveal the kingdom of God. You might win the argument, but you won't produce the kingdom. Because anger is not the method that God chose. If you're going to engage in conflict, you cannot do it from anger. You can't parent that way and you can't stay married that way either. It doesn't accomplish the kingdom. In fact, it says as much about our hearts that we can't engage in difficulty. It says a lot that we haven't been perfected like Christ in our life. We haven't grown in Christ's likeness enough to not be able to engage and not be angry. Now, conflict should never make us angry. Conflict is an opportunity to see God's kingdom at work. I just want us to turn conflict on its ear for... Conflict should not always be avoided. We've created the monster that we're living in right now. You can go back decades, back to when the world wanted to tell us that there's no absolute rights and no absolute wrongs, and we bought it hook, line, and sinker, and said, all right, well, if there's no rights and wrongs, then we can turn it into my truth and your truth, and everybody gets to be heard, and everybody gets to be right. Avoid, avoiding conflict, this is, the, this is the byproduct of avoiding conflict right now. Proverbs 27 verses 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I think about so many passages of Scripture. Maybe this should be a series all on its own. But I think about all that Scripture has to say about who has the right to speak and who doesn't have the right to speak and with what heart we should speak. But listen to this. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. Peace is the fruit of of godly conflict. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's the byproduct of godly conflict. Conflict is often used to help restore us, to make us like Christ, to reveal His kingdom. Well, I'm going to... Wind down. I want you to look though at Jude verse 3. Just write it down. Go back and check me later. Jude verse 3. <laughs> to earnestly contend for the faith. To earnestly contend for the faith. Contention for the faith isn't always the pleasant choice. And the desire of that is not to be right. The desire of contending for the faith is that I can grow and I can create growth in those around me. And Paul, Paul actually even said to the church at Galatia when he was contending for the faith there, I believe it's Galatians chapter 4 verse 1, he says, whoa, whoa have I made you an enemy by telling you the truth? In Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 11, the Lord says, they have healed the wound of my people lightly because they have said peace, peace when there is no peace and I think today we are so quick to just try to get rid of conflict that we choose peace but there is no peace and we're trying to resolve the world's problems without using the gospel to do it that makes sense? You know, I think about the conflict that God uses in our own life as discipline, as a staff. We've been working through this this week in uh, Hebrews chapter, chapter 12 when it says that he disciplines us for our good. It actually says that, that that discipline, though we don't like it in that moment, that conflict that comes from God, we don't like it for that moment. But what does it produce? It produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness. We think of righteousness as kind of starchy kind of stuffy, someone who thinks they're better than everybody else. But Paul, is, or the writer of Hebrews, is very quick to be able to say, no, 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 it's the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Righteousness produces peace. 
Who doesn't want peace? If you want peace in your life, you'd better go through the conflict that comes from the discipline of the Lord. Because He disciplines those that He loves. And those that He loves experience peace, the peace of righteousness. And in Philippians chapter 3, back there in verses uh, 8 through 10, it says that, that we have uh, peace and share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, right? Man, I think about the peace that comes from discipline, conflict. I think about Christ-likeness that comes from conflict. And then in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, it says that, that we rejoice in our suffering because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Do you know what? There's two things I think that everybody in this world wants. Peace and hope. Do you know how to achieve those things? You, you, you achieve peace by being right with God and being under His conflict. You experience hope by going through the sufferings that create Christ-likeness. Now, if I were to say, hey, you should become a Christian and go through pain and suffering, you would say, no, thank you. That's not what I want. But when the time comes for you to endure such things, you will have been built up so that you can reveal the presence of the kingdom of God, which is peace and of hope. They're byproducts of placing ourselves under the authority of God. Well, I know that a whole lot of this is scattered and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will use some of this for a moment that you might be thinking about and processing even right now. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? And I'm going to tell you, based upon what the Word of God says, if you're waiting for the race wars to end, they're not going to. If you're waiting for the right political candidate to get into office, it ain't going to happen. If you're waiting for a vaccine to come to put us all back into the streets together, it ain't going to happen. Because we're not like each other. This period of time has been so clear as to show us that we are divided on everything. Except the people of God. There's only one spirit that unites us together as the bride and the body of Jesus Christ. And our primary responsibility is to not live in this world without conflict or to restore peace of a broken, depraved kingdom. Our best efforts to restore that world's kingdom the world's kingdom has never been at peace. Why would we think that that's the goal? Listen, we've got to stop arguing about the things of this world and we've got to start contending for the faith to be the people of God to have the identity of Christ in us to, to bear up under the conflict and the discipline and the suffering that comes where God is making us more like himself than ever before so that the contrast between the kingdom of, this, of man and the kingdom of God is so clear that the world sees how the church is responding in love and peace and hope, they can't help but say, that's what I've been looking for all along. So, you know, we are the church as individuals. And, we're, and we are all dealing with stuff. You ever been in Judge Bourne's chambers? Not me. Let's pray. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, sometimes, I, I mean, I would pay to go in there sometimes. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Uh, when, you're not, when your name's not getting called. I've been in there a lot when my name's not getting called. I should say that. I was in there one day and he goes through all of these different people and everybody who stood up there has an excuse. I can't imagine being a judge. I'd probably be cynical too. This is not an endorsement of Judge Bourne necessarily. I, I, I do like him. But everybody who got up there had an excuse. And I remember I was sitting in there one day and, and he, he finally just stopped. He said, you know what? And he started asking people out in the chairs and he asked the bailiff and different ones, you got, you got stuff going on in your life? You know, and everybody's like, yeah, I got stuff. You got stuff? Yeah, I got stuff. And uh, he, looked, he started looking at folks and just said, you know what? We all got stuff. And I thought, that's really powerful. There's nobody in here that doesn't have stuff. 
Now, there's no doubt that some of you think your stuff's the most important stuff. Some of your stuff is life-changing stuff. I get it. I really do. It's not, everybody's stuff's not the same. But I do want you to know this. Your stuff is redeemable and can be used as an asset to reveal the kingdom of God in this world. Only God can do that. The goal of life is not to make sure that your stuff is heard and start putting people into camps. Don't you agree with me? Don't you agree with me? The point of your conflict is to see God and to reveal God. That's never been different from the very moment of His coming. So as we close this morning, I want to encourage us. We've been doing this the last couple of weeks. So I want us, before we go, for those of you who have not maybe been here uh, back yet, I'm going to close this in prayer, but I, but I don't want us to leave just yet. I want us to spend just a moment sitting in our seat and asking the Lord to give us wisdom. I'm not asking you to pray for conflict. I am asking us to pray for wisdom and discernment. Lord, the difficulty in my life, is my first thought me or is my first thought revealing you? Don't believe the mirror. Believe your identity in Jesus Christ and use your conflict to redeem. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this word this morning. And I just pray that your spirit would do what I can't. Uh, I pray that as my words stop, your words would continue. And help us, Lord, to find... Uh, well, I, I, it's one of the reasons why we can count it all joy when we go through various trials. is because there are opportunities to declare you, your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that as the River Valley takes its cues from social media and the news and their neighbor, that they would be able to look at those who make up Connect Church and just see a different spirit. Lord, I pray that we would be filled by a different spirit and that we would reveal a different spirit. Lord, may we live for your kingdom purposes. And as we process our own stuff, Lord, I pray that you'd give us wisdom to know how to use it and turn it into sharp tools for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.